This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. And this morning I'm going to be speaking on this subject, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And I'm going to use as the cornerstone for our text today, Psalms chapter 33. And so I want to ask you to turn there with me. And I pray that you'll follow along with us as we think about the beauty of this very special holiday celebration. And the 4th of July is a little different than obviously Christmas and Easter. And today is a day where we celebrate the heritage that we have in this country as Americans. And it's all been possible because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to read this morning as we embark on this 247th birthday of the United States of America. That's hard to picture in our mind, even though that might sound like a giant leap in yesteryear. Really and truly, 247 years was not all that long ago. A lot has happened in the span of time from our first birthday until now. And so I want to read in Psalms 33 and verse number 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Now let me put the pause button on here just for a moment and say, this is not just talking about the Hebrew children, the Israelites. Oftentimes we read stories and we preach sermons where those are the main characters but this morning, I want you to know that we're not just talking about a tribe, a singular group of people. We're talking about the inhabitants of all the earth. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. That's every nation, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Verse 11, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. And the cornerstone for our message today comes out of verse number 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord 
and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. I think these are most appropriate words for America's 247th birthday. If you're looking at your bulletin today, and I hope that you will, and I want you to follow along with me because the first thing that we want to address today is the acknowledgments of our heritage as Americans. Many years ago, before the days of television, a lady by the name of Kate Smith had a radio program. Some of you remember Kate Smith. Those of you that don't know who I'm talking about, I would encourage you to go home this afternoon, get on the internet, and Google Kate Smith. Some of you might be able to find exactly what I'm talking about here today. But she had a radio program, and she was a well-loved, popular singer. But on one particular evening in her radio program, she introduced America to a brand new song. And it was called God Bless America. At that particular time in America, there was a great deal of patriotism going on in our land. And even more so after that song, it seemed to have electrified this nation. When you stop and think about the lyrics in this wonderful song, God Bless America, there are several observations that I personally have made. First of all, the song gives great respect to Almighty God. And not only does it express a Christian perspective in acknowledging that there is a God, but acknowledgement that he is the source of all blessings. You think about the great doctrine embedded in that great song. It also points to the scripture in Psalms 33 verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. And I will tell you this morning by strong conviction that if we're going to survive as a nation in the future, according to this verse, we must have the blessings and fear of God upon us. Can somebody say amen? Just this past week, I heard Joe Biden say this. He said, I don't care if you think I am Satan incarnate. He said it, I heard him. Well, it does matter. It does matter who's leading this nation. Regardless of what the liberal-minded people of this country think, and by the way, they have the right to think whatever they want to think. Contrary to what Madonna said this week. Madonna said, 
You should not have, listen now, think it through. You should not have the right to say what you think. Then why did she think to say that? <laughs> now God help us if we're if if we're being influenced in such a degree to where we are being controlled even in what we think. Now the liberal world today, they can think whatever they want to think. But you know what? As conservative people, we have the right to think what we want to think. Amen? Can somebody say, am I here by myself? Somebody say amen. The founding of this nation was a very remarkable thing. Roger Babson said this many years ago, South America was founded by men who were seeking gold. But North America was founded by men who were seeking God. And the truth of the matter is the brave people who crossed the great ocean to get here were not seeking soil for their plows, nor grass for their livestock or trees for their cabins, but were most definitely seeking faith and liberty for their souls. But the liberal-minded people today do not want you to know what was in the beginning of America's heritage. And liberal writers today are fastly eroding things that took place in the founding of our nation. You can go all the way back to the legitimate first history books of America and you can see that when the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock, they knelt on their knees and they thanked Almighty God for their safety in their new land. And in the years to come, in the framing of this nation, when perilous times had fallen, Benjamin Franklin, he did not call for political correctness he did not call for everybody to join hands with Michael Royaboda Shore and Kumbaya. He did not call for pride flags to be flown over the trading post. Can somebody say, am I here by myself this morning? He called for the Continental Congress to fall on their knees and pray to God for his divine guidance. None of us have to wonder this morning what would happen to a congressman that would request that of today. Recently, I heard Jerry Nader say, God's will is no concern of this Congress. It's my conviction now. It should never be regarded as an insult or an offense or unspeakable and a violation of separation in church and state for America to seek guidance and God's divine intervention and his hand of blessing on this nation. Because this is exactly how our country was born in the early days of this nation and anyone who knows a thimble about America's history 
that in the dark days of Valley Forge, General George Washington fell on his knees in a snow pile when his soldiers were starving, running out of ammunition and freezing to death, that he humbled himself before the holy God of heaven and asked him for his divine intervention. And I will tell you that because of America's godly heritage, and I want you to think about now, the prosperity of America and the blessings that we have enjoyed from the very beginning of this nation up until now. We have abundant resources everywhere you turn. In the forest, in the fields, in the mines, in the sea, and in the dirt of the ground flows abundant oil and gas and natural resources that we stand and walk upon. Our nation was organized as a republic. I want you to think with me. That means that it was governed by law. But here in our nation, that's eroding Rapidly, It should be that people gather together in a democracy and place themselves under the law. I don't know about you, but when you see people running up and down city storefronts, throwing chairs and bricks through their windows and stealing as much merchandise as they can carry and running out under the sound of a robbery alarm, and, and have the police sit there and watch them do it and the store owner saying, oh, that's okay, they will not be prosecuted. Something is insane about this country. It should be that when we come together in a democracy that we place ourselves under the law, it should be that we can express our, our favorism, we can express our disagreements, and I thank God today that these stars and stripes do not fly over the Gestapo or a concentration camp in this great land. Yet in the freedom that we still enjoy, people desecrate the beauty of it. For example, I thank God for the fragments that still remain for freedom of speech. I can stand here today and I can open up the word of God to Psalms 33 and I can preach the word of God. The Muslim down here can stand or kneel and talk about Allah. The Buddhist can talk about Buddha. The atheist can deny that there is a God altogether but they have the right to do that. I'm so thankful that I have the right to still stand here today and proclaim and preach the word of God, but I'm telling you right now, you think this world is bad enough? Listen, there's going to come a day, and maybe in my lifetime, maybe in some of your lifetime, when people are going to consider this book to be a book of hate speech, and they're going to outlaw this book. Listen, if you don't have a Bible in your home, you better get one. You better treasure it, because there's coming a day when they're going to say, you cannot have one. I'd, if I were you, I'd have four or five of these in my house somewhere. 
build you a box and dig it in a hole and bury it. Listen, there's coming a day if Jesus tarries is coming. People will try to outlaw this book. I want you to know something number two here. Not only do we acknowledge our heritage, but there's a beauty in our flag. I want you to see this. I want you to get Exodus chapter 30 or 17 on the screen for me. And I want to read verses 8 through 15. Look at these beautiful verses. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in the Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, choose out us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up in his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, this is important, Jehovah Nisai. Jehovah Nisai is a personal name for God. This is the only time in the Bible where these words are found, Jehovah Nisai. It's a personal name of him, and it means the Lord, our banner. It's directly involved when Moses and the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness. We've just read these scriptures, and in the middle of the journey, a tribe called the Amalekites tried to overpower them. Now, you've got to remember something here. Moses wasn't traveling with a well-trained army. He was moving across the desert sands with herdsmen and women and children and flocks and all their possessions. He did not have a military escort. But they also had something that no other nation had, and that was a pillar of fire and a cloud of smoke the very presence of God. And Moses gave strategic instructions to Joshua. He told him what to do. Moses said, I'm going to the top of the hill. And when the battle started, Joshua looked at the top of the hill and he saw three people overlooking the battle, Moses, Aaron, and Hur. And when the fighting began, Moses raised his hands over the battle. And when he did, Israel began to win. But as the day wore throughout the hot desert sun, Moses got tired. He got weary in his body, and soon his arms began to sag. And when he lowered his hands, his arms, the Amalekites started to rally and win the battle. Aaron and her realized what was happening. And so they drug a small stone for Moses to sit on and stood by him and raised up his arms. When they did this, Israel rallied and they won the war. God showed the nation of Israel that he, 
conquered the battle on their behalf. He was their banner. He was their flag. He was their Jehovah Nisai. That's what Jehovah Nisai represents, the Lord, our banner. It's one of God's personal names. He was their flag. Now, let me say this. Banners and flags are raised to celebrate and honor. They're raised to celebrate and honor nations and soldiers and public places. I wonder today, I don't know about you, but have you ever wondered if our flag could talk? What our flag would say? If our flag could talk, if we were to give it a microphone, would it say, now can I have everybody's attention? I would like for somebody to come forward and spit on me. If our flag could talk, I wonder if it would say, now would somebody come down here and set me on fire? What? Would our flag say, I wish somebody would come down here and urinate on me? I think it ought to crush our hearts to the core of our soul to know people are given the right to do those things to the flag of the United States. I believe that our flag, if it could talk, and we were to hand it a microphone this morning, this is what it would say. I am the flag of the United States of America and I was conceived in the dreams of liberty and in the hopes of freedom. I was designed by a patriot named Betsy Ross and her sewing basket was my cradle. I was adopted by the Continental Congress in 1777 and proclaimed the national emblem of a nation, newly born on this continent fighting valiantly for survival and destined to bring to all mankind a new concept of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I have been in many places and I have seen many things. I have witnessed every event in American history. I was there when they fired the shot that was heard around the world. I was there in the late twilight that inspired Francis Scott Key to write our national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner. I saw Molly Pritchard take the cannon swap from her hands of her dead husband and help carry on the fight for freedom. I felt the bitter cold at Valley Forge and gave warmth and comfort to General George Washington and his tired, hungry Continental Army. I rode with Ethan Allen and the Green Mountain Boys. I saw the signal that started the midnight ride of Paul Revere. I was flown upon the decks of the old Ironsides and from the mast of the Yankee and China Clippers. I blazed the trail with Daniel Boone. I led the settlers going west and crossed Death Valley in a covered wagon. I was carried to the halls of Montezuma and the shores of Tripoli. Once I fell to the ground at Custer's last stand and there were no living hands to pick me up. I galloped up the slopes of San Juan Hill with Ted 
Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders. I saw many of the youth and men of our nation fall and lie in death. I have watched them as they have given the last full measures of devotion. The war was over for them forever and I kept my lonely vigil over their graves and stayed to watch the poppies grow amid the crosses row after row on Flanders Field. I was raised by five brave men during the hell of Hiroshima. I wave farewell to the four immortal chaplains who went down with their ship to honor glory. I am many things to a lot of people. I am inseparable, an inseparable link in the chain that binds men to God and country. Each link welded in the fires of purity by the sacred hands of God himself. And because I am on the side of God, the godless would destroy me, but they dared not because I am protected by the mighty land of the army of this nation and by the powerful fleet of the Navy and the screaming eagles and the Air Force who are constantly watching and waiting to swoop down and destroy anything that could harm me. To some, I am yesterday, today and tomorrow. To others, I am a glorious child. To some, a grand old man and a most glorious lady. I have several names. I am called the red, white, and blue. I am called the star-spangled banner. I am called the stars and the stripes, but I am mostly known by my nickname given to me by an old sea captain who called me Old Glory. I draped the caskets of our nation's heroes, the caskets of presidents and generals and admirals and humble privates and the unknown soldier. Wherever men gather, wherever there is justice, where there is equality and faith and hope and charity, truth and brotherly love, I am also there in all of these places. I could speak proudly today and say, hey, I am the stars and the stripes. Whoa, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I thank God for the flag. Number three, different, different things for different people, but I understand that there are difficult challenges still ahead of us. I want you to get Psalms 33, 11 back on the screen quickly. And it says, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Here's the thing. God's not dead. He hasn't changed. I, I am reminded of the pressing issues and the political correctness that threatens to forever disintegrate all that America has ever stood for. There are so many things that oppose Christian liberties of this great land. I often wonder this. People who call themselves Christians, most of the time people associate that with, with being Protestant. Are you a Christian? Well, yeah, I was born a Christian. Are you a Christian? Well, I'm a Protestant. Listen, I, I, the thing that behooves me in this realm of Christianity today, this word Christian, is that I don't know how anybody in their right mind who calls themselves a Christian 
can be so influenced and changed and settled by the God of this world and who goes along with everything under the stars of heaven that nauseate God. How they can be so influenced. Listen, we are influenced and we are controlled by something. And I will tell you this, that if you call yourself a born-again child of God, then this book ought to influence every jot and tittle about your life. Everything in this book ought to influence you to where you say, amen, praise God. Yes, it is. It's the truth. It's the life. It's the way. How can anybody call themselves a Christian and go against this book and go against the God of heaven? It's one or the other. Listen, you cannot, I'm nobody's judge. I've never been one to say, thus saith the Lord, you do this and you do that. I'm nobody's judge. I cannot tell you who's going to heaven and who's not. I don't believe in predestination. I don't believe in Calvinism. I don't believe in any of that stuff. But what I do believe is this, that if you are a born-again child of God, then your life will dramatically and radically prove, thus saith the Lord. You cannot... Listen, if you say you're saved by grace and you are influenced by this world and you have decided to pick up the megaphone of this world, it's it's not what I have. It's not what's in this book. We're influenced by something. Now, I want you to know that there is, and there are atheists, and I recognize that that are growing in staggering numbers in this world, but I will tell you that if there was a comic book in heaven, atheism is on its pages. I heard about a boasting atheist who was scolding a little boy in the neighborhood for his faithfulness in Sunday school. A little boy would run around, knock on doors, and ask people to go to church with him. He knocked on this one door. The man came to the door. He said, I don't want to hear nothing you got to say. I'm an atheist. And the taunting man said to the little boy, he said, hey, he said, I'm going to give you this big red apple if you can tell me where God is. And that little boy reared back and said with a smile, he said, I'll give you a bushel of them if you can tell me where he's not. Another thing that's infecting America today is apostasy in the church. God help us. God help us. So-called Christians departing from the faith. My brothers and sisters, I call on you today to stand on your faith and upon the word of God. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. And number four, and I ask our musicians to come forward. So what can we do in such a time as this? Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. 
Paul said it this way. Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So what, listen, things that nauseate us on a daily basis or should as believers, what can we do as we await the Lord's coming? Well, we have to preach Jesus. Crucified, buried, risen, and coming again. We have to preach the grace and the mercy of God. We have to proclaim the doctrine of his precious royal crimson, spotless, sinless blood. We have to evangelize the lost. We have to send missionaries around the world. I'm so thankful that in just a few weeks during the month of August, we're going to be having our Mission Emphasis Month again, and I'm looking forward to our missionaries being here every Sunday during the month of August. But we have to, as a church, stay focused on worldwide missions. We must continue to send them around the world. But I will tell you this, folks. We must in these last lingering days where this world is being influenced by the God of this world, we must continue to stay faithful to the house of God. We must continue to come. We must continue to serve. And you have to continually pray for me that God will give me health and strength. Listen, there's probably a hundred people in this city that would like to put a bullet in my head when I walk to my truck. Because they know that when I stand in his pulpit, I'm going to preach the word of God. So here's what you need to do. I pray to God, listen, things can happen to me like they happen to you. I pray to God that he keep me from a stroke. I pray to God he keep me from an, a person that would want to assassinate me. I pray to God that he would keep me well and healthy. And you need to pray, God, make him strong. Keep him bold. Keep his faith. God, help him to stand on the word. We have to continue to preach the whole counsel of the word. We have to remain firm in our attitudes, our influences, our morals of this book. We must serve the Lord with all of our vigor and we must daily pray even so quick, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I guess maybe you know by now I'm not a liberal. <laughs> now, I'm not going to tell you what you ought to be in that realm. But if you're saved and you're born again, you need to live like it. God bless America.
And as long as I live and breathe and I have mobility in a sound brain wave, I pray to God that he would keep me true to this word. And I pray that for you as well. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.